Hello and welcome to The Swim Brief. I am Chris DeSantis and I am joined, as I frequently am, by Joel Rawlings. No adjective this week, Joel. Just Correct. Just Joel. Just, just me. That's it. Let's just go. Joel and his coffee and his Prince mug. And he's, go- he's going to try to not do too much slurping um, into the mic, like not directly into the mic. Is that a, you, you, can you promise that? Uh, what about the audible sigh when you just kind of go off on some insanely boring riff? Right. It's like, this is how you hook people in right at the beginning. Yeah. They, they know, uh-huh. like, instead of telling there, them there, there's a difference on the podcast, yeah. I, I try to make an inside joke about the two of us. Yeah. If that's yeah, what, yeah. Got it. that's what's relevant to the people. And actually that's the central question that we're going to get to today. Um, you know, and I think some of it is um, born out of you've been you've been out there in the space. You've been talking to in people the streets from across the. <laughs> you've been talking to people from across the country. You've been having experiences, um, and I have too. And I think you know part of our question intersects with um, I think a lot of questions that people are asking themselves about social media, about culture, about um, changes in culture, and how you keep up. Um, but I'm going to turn it over to you and then you're going to get, you know, you can get the ball rolling with the question here and then we'll, we'll be off to the races here on this podcast. Yeah. So uh, one of the things I was thinking is, um, is, is people are getting into interviews and um, it, it used to always you're be like, getting you know, into interviews, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, but, but I mean, <laughs> other people are obviously applying for jobs too. You see on Swim yeah. Swam, you see on um, NCAA news, things like that, all the jobs they're opening up. And, and so it used to be the typical question was like, you know, What's your background? What's your coaching philosophy? Where do you see yourself in five years? You know, those are, those are the core ones. And now the core ones are um, what experience do you have with diversity? Um, what are some ways that you would address the, this, uh, these kinds of issues? What would be, you know, X, Y, and Z, whatever the issue might be, but it usually reverse, reverts to diversity, experience with diversity. And, um, and always they ask, like, you know, what are some areas of improvement? And one of the things I was thinking was, the idea of how quickly everything um, has changed in the past, well, since COVID and on forward, you know, uh, you think about there's a lot of tension, obviously, out there, you know, living outside of Portland. I mean, the, the cultural norms change very, very quickly. And, and what's, what's uh, acceptable, not acceptable, what's um, what is like polite culture or something like that, I like just referring right. to. Hello, miss, you know, like right away, you're, you're assuming something, you know, you're, you're, you're jumping to some sort of, and so what used to be, you know, addressing someone as sir, miss, things like that was just, you know, at one point was just, you know, this is what we would do. And now it's reliably polite thing to do. And now it's possibly quite rude. That's exactly, that's much better way of, (laughs) I was trying to figure a way to phrase it, but that's exactly right. Is, and I, I I was telling you beforehand the, the story about how, um, you know, we used to show movies on the, on the college bus and things like that. And so let the kids pick it out. And all of a sudden the kids would start picking out ones that are pretty offensive, like to the bus driver. And so we're like, all right, well, let's pull that out. So I'm like starting to think, all right, well, I'll pull out a movie that I didn't find offensive. And I think, you know, we'll go back to like 2003. It's like, well, that was before I was coaching college. And I was just watching that as a person at a movie theater. And it wasn't offensive to me. But all of a sudden now it's like 18 years later, it's like, oh, my gosh, this is a little bit offensive. And so like, all right, I'll go all the way back. G movies. And so it became, um, I, I pulled out Bad News Bears, the very first right. one, Walter Matthau. And it was like the most incredibly offensive movie I've ever seen in my life. I mean, again, right all away, the thing- right, right off the bat, right? It yeah. doesn't waste any time getting into the offensive content. Right. And so, so it starts with Walter Matthau driving around, drinking and driving, no seatbelt on, pouring whiskey into, into his uh, b- tall boy Budweiser, you know, kids in the backseat where you're like, again, that's not offensive. But then all of a sudden the kids start using, you know, hard and like n-words and oh all this crazy yeah. stuff you're like f-bomb oh my god drop in you, and yeah. then you go to f-bomb but that's what kept it g but it was it was funny that what was g then was you could like make fun of ethnicities you couldn't you couldn't say a swear word you know and so right i had to pull that out immediately and i was thinking again when, when you lock something away like that like like a this is probably from 77 also and then reopen it in 2022 it's like this is really offensive. Or like you think back to a lot of the movies in the eighties. Oh, there's a cute rom-com thing. It's like, Oh, that's actually a story about date rape. This is horrible. I can't believe we watched this. And, right. um, and, and so again, we, the thing is like, how do I basically not become the dinosaur of that film? How do I not like all of a sudden get locked into an idea 
where all of a sudden I can inadvertently become, you know, do something offensive. And, and I think that's the thing is I always tried to be open with the teams I was coaching. Like, listen, if I ever say anything that, that, that you don't understand, you know, technically whatever, ask questions, but also now you have to have the caveat. If I ever say anything that's offensive, I, I hope that you understand that it, it's inadvertent um, and it's more of my ignorance than it is out of hatred. And how do we kind of address that, you know, like day one of a meeting or anywhere along the way that you have that line of communication where their first response is, hey, I'm going to help educate you into what might be a little more appropriate this time versus, hey, this is an HR deal and we're, we're going to have to have you removed from the team immediately. Yeah. I mean, I think, so you're, you're making me think I actually, so I started writing again and in the intro to the first blog post I made in two and a half years, I did leave this caveat, which is I literally have no idea whether I will be interested in sustaining this. I could write once and then not want to write again for two and a half years. And I've just sort of come to accept that about myself. But then of course, when it rains, it pours. So I, I immediately had a second thing to write and I've got a second blog coming out. And the whole gist of it is, is along the themes of, of what I think when, when you ask that question, which is, um, you know, I actually have found that contrary to the, I think, popular, like hyper, hyper aggressive masculine, like business advice I get, that a key to uh, what has helped me to be successful has been making other people comfortable saying no to me. You know, so, right, right. um, and I, I, I go back and I tell the story of, um, my senior year in high school and I asked a girl to, to prom. I didn't know her particularly well, um, but she was pretty and she was athletic and she, I thought she was pretty cool. And I, I think really in my own mind, I just thought like, good box checked. I will not lose social status with my peers. If this is the person that's standing next to me, you know, in, in my senior prom photos, um, I thought you were going to go with it. Won't I won't seem so bad when she rejects me like all the others? But okay, <laughs> this is this is a different outcome. I I didn't predict. No, she it, said, so "Please go ahead." Here's the thing: she said yes, but she should have said no because I, looking back, like we didn't even really know each other. She didn't particularly want to go with me. I think um, I knew find that out because a week out, she she got a different date to the dates. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. Um, I, I think that when I reflect on that, though, I it was crushing, right? It's crushing when you're yeah, uh, yeah, a 17-year-old boy to lose your prom date a week out. Um, but I ended up in a better place in, in, in the short term. And honestly, I think when now as like an adult looking back on it, I go, you know, she probably felt real bad when I asked her. And that's why she said yes, even though she really wanted to say no. And I wish so we'll, call, we'll call that pity. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the pity. pity yes. yes. Okay. And, and I think, you know, I think to, to, to draw that back to what we're talking about, you go, you know, should we have the team meeting at the beginning of the year where, I, where you say, I'm going to make some mistakes. I think what you want as a leader is you want people to be able to tell you that they think you're wrong. Like you want people to, you want to have a release valve so that, people can tell you that they think you are wrong way before you chronically like you're chronically rude because at the core of it, like some of the scenarios that you presented, right? Like you have somebody and you know, what you think is a, is a polite way of addressing them is actually quite rude to them. My, my whole theory on this on the other end is people can tell you what they People can decide for themselves how they'd like you to address them. But I, but I don't think it's necessarily reasonable um, for everybody to expect you to like know ahead of time. But what you should have is a climate where if you mess up as a person, those people feel like they can be like, hey, um, please, don't, please don't call me miss. Like I, I don't – that's not how I want to be addressed. Here's how I'd like to be addressed. And, and I think when and, you going back you to what you said on. about right. chronic rudeness too, the idea is like not like you're offensive in every single category. The idea would be like if something's black, white, and you called it red, and then you keep on calling it red, then they can at least go at some point, 
so by chronic rudeness is mean like like continuing to use like in this this example a pronoun that's incorrect and you continue to do it that being the chronic rudeness not like you're offensive in in all these 18 different areas exactly exactly okay, yeah, yeah, have, yeah so I, yeah. I think i think the goal is you want to have an atmosphere where um people can tell you stuff and 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 you know have an open conversation with you about what you want um, and there's some basic things, you know, like what somebody would like to be called, um, how they'd like to be addressed. I think that are just like, they're, they're not a big deal in, at the, at the end of, um, at the end of everything. Like it's, it's, it's really like, Hey, you know, my name's Christopher, but there's only two people in the world that call me Christopher, my dad and my wife. So everybody else calls me Chris. So somebody else calls me Christopher. I go, call me Chris. And that's it. And we move on and they call me Chris <laughs> basically every other time. It's not a big deal if somebody, you know, who doesn't know me comes up and goes, Christopher, you know, cause that's my legal name. And they read it on, you know, on my ID and they go, what can I do for you today, Christopher? Like, um, but at the same time, if somebody, if I, if I have that interaction with somebody, I go, Hey, call me Chris. And they go, okay, Christopher. Then I'm like, all right, what's, what's your deal? Like, why are you insisting on plowing ahead with something? Like, what does it do for your ego to just, like, ignore what I want to be called? You know? Yeah. Um, and, I think that's and, a good example, too, because, again, it's – I think too many times people are like, oh, this is about woke culture or something like that. And it, it's not about woke culture. It's about, you know, just being polite. I, I, I think it is. is again, you, you want to value the people on your team. And, and this is, like – step one of the baseline of how they value. And so in your example, again, for you, when you're getting carded for trying to buy beer again, and they call you Christopher, cause that's on your ID and you're like, just right. call me Chris. And right away it creates this kind of, there's always, there's already this barrier level. Now, now you've already kind of have this wall. Like, why is this guy already calling me this? And then it kind of, it's just going to go from there where now you're already, I think we, we put people in boxes so quick in the idea of like, well, he's already attacking me everything from here on out is going to be an attack versus again, where you stand on our way, like it's Chris. So I think it's, I, I actually think it's the opposite. I think like, okay. for instance, right. I don't correct people that I'm buying beer from. Not that they ever like look at my yeah. ID and then address. it was a bad, it was, that's not necessarily the example, but there are examples where people see my name on the form and I'm never yeah. going to interact with them again. And I don't really care what they call me. Right. Gotcha. You know, but I think if you get to the stage of like, Hey, here's what I'd like you to call me. It's not, it's, it's actually the opposite of attack. It's a trusting move. You go like, right. Hey, I know you want to be nice to me. Here's what I'd like to be called. <laughs> and so you're actually opening up in that step. And I guess to, to go back to the original question, you know, if you're, if you're somebody that's in charge of a team, I think you want people to be comfortable, like interacting with you. In that way, I don't subscribe to the the sort of theory of coaching where it's like there should be this big power. I, I like to refer to it as power distance, right, between mm -hmm. the people that you coach and you. So it's like you are, you know, the the font of all knowledge yeah, relative right, right. to what's happening there, and nobody can question you, and nobody like. I think that's how we get into a lot of messed up situations, and it doesn't. It doesn't really help because at the end of the day, you know, one of the things that I, I run into in coaching is if you can create an atmosphere like that, when people buy into what you're doing, it's because they actually believe in what you're doing. They're not going, right, right, actually, right. I believe in something else, but I, you know, I can't, I can't, I have, there's no way for me to express that. So I'm just going to override what I believe in. And follow along with this. It's never going to be as powerful as somebody going, you know what? That guy's got it. And I'm going to listen to what he's going to say. And I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow his lead on something. Right. It's just never going to be as powerful. I think again, we've always talked about like the, the evolution of, of athlete empowerment, especially. And I always kind of draw it to like, you know, pro basketball kind of showing and leading the way of that. And, and it kind of goes into swimming too. You think about the 80s kind of coach where I know everything this is what we're going to do. And, and it was like, I think part of that, you know, not that they were trying to bully athletes, but that's kind of what it does do. What they were trying to do is trying to establish it where it's like, 
you have complete faith in what I'm doing because I'm so certain you'll be certain that no matter what we do, it's going to lead to success. You just do exactly what I say. And so, again, I, I think a lot of times it's best intentions. But again, it, it can also go a little bit too far in that, you know, we've seen too many times where people are just like, okay, I'm just not going to listen to my body anymore. I'm just going to listen to whatever the coach says. Or like I've said in the past is the idea of if you're always winning the argument, if you're always winning the fight, um, I think you start to like, you know, create these basically lap dogs, you know, people that are just obedient, exactly listening and not the people that are like, again, willing to go critical thinking skills. You know, if you're always right. telling them how to do things, how to act things, and I'm going to, you know, this is how we're going to work and this is how we're going to address and this is what we're going to do. And then when you get into a meet and you expect them to think on the fly when their goggles break or something like this, well, you've been laying everything out for them the whole time. How do you expect them to do something like, hey, just get some different goggles? Hey, tell the starter to wait a second. You know, again, right. I, I, I like the idea of, again, creating where it's like kind of a decentralized leadership where they have, they have autonomy. They, they, they can do some things and they know they're not going to get beat down for it. What you want to know is more about the rationale behind it. So the rationale is, why did you do this? And again, that's not coming out is confrontational. That's just coming out. I just want to know the rationale, what you're doing, and let's let's address the process rather than always just addressing outcomes. You know, I think there's there's I think at the core of it, there's a misunderstanding here. I think actually there's a couple of misunderstandings. One of the misunderstandings is, you know, I think that that you know that everybody should follow exactly what I'm, um, what I'm what my program is philosophy actually you know the reason why people think that works in the first place are athletes who are finding a way to make use of whatever it is so we've talked about this before that this is one of my own hobby horses it's 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 athletes who are finding a way to make any kind of coaching you're giving useful right Mm -hmm. so so then you could then you like you form an assumption based off that well my coaching must be exactly what they need well, they've made it exactly what they need. That doesn't mean it's, it is exactly what everybody that you're coaching needs. It just means that you have one particular athlete who's very good. And I guess if I, if I flip that piece um, on its head, you know, from an athlete perspective, and I work with athletes on this all the time, you know, and they'll, I, I, I'm very open at the beginning, you know, I go like, Hey, we're going to end up in situations where we're going to talk about whoever's coaching you. And maybe you're going to be frustrated about something. You're gonna have a frustrating situation. My job is to help you with frustrating situations, but you know what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to sit here in judgment of your coach on the other end at any mm-hmm. point. So, so, sure. you know, um, unless you come to me and tell me something that, you know, is like, I'm like a mandated reporter. About, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to be here and be like, you know, actually, that's pretty bad coaching. Like, uh, I'm so sorry you had to deal with that. What I'm the conversation I'm going to have is how you can make whatever situation you're in work for you. And yeah, like people can look at that at a, in a very adversarial way and say like, oh, well, that's just, you know, like giving in to the coach on the other end. No, I think it's, you know, on it. If I'm if I'm coaching the sport of swimming, would I like to see writ large, you know, people be more compassionate, more empathetic, um, more kind to each other? Yes. If I'm coaching an individual athlete looking up at the coach, would I like them to find ways to, you know, make more of what the coach does work for them? Even if it's accepting that you're never going to have a perfect coach who's going to make zero mistakes or do zero things that will upset you or um, give you pause or, you know, throw you completely off your emotional kilter, you know, like, so what are you going to do? What are you going to do about that? What's your strategy? Um, Because if you can build on that, then you have the skills to be adaptable in a number of situations. And reality is, you know, especially with a lot of the athletes I work with, you know, like maybe you're, you're on a college team, you're one of 50. What should, if I'm working with you, should I work to make um, your coach, the person I don't even coach, <laughs> should I try to make them more, uh, more perfect or should we try to improve you? You know, and I think there's an opportunity. Like I got into a conversation yesterday. This is a final point I'll make on this. 
um, where somebody was, they were having a hard time with their coach. And uh, part of it was a conflict between what I'd said and what the coach says. You know, um, one of my things that I'm always speaking to is I don't, I don't believe in the statements that go some, some shape of you have to do this or you won't improve. Right. Like I, I don't, I don't think that's right um, to coach that way. And I coach people individually to stop making those statements to themselves, right. To actually replace that with replace. Uh, and, and in many instances as you can, I have to do this or else with, I want to do this because mm-hmm. right. 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 And so the coach was coming, sorry, the athlete was coming back to me and saying like, and coach, you know, it makes me so mad. He's always saying, you know, you have to do this, like, or you have to be within four seconds of your best time on all these fifties or you won't get better. And I go, and, and she's, and, and the person I'm coaching, they just go like, and that's just not right. That doesn't, that's not helping me to get better. That won't. And I go, okay, so your statement about him is, um, that you don't think it's fair. He's saying you have to do this or else you won't improve. But your statement back to him is what he's doing is making it impossible for you to improve. Right. Like we can't, then we have a stalemate. Both Mm -hmm. sides are just saying you, my way or nothing. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And, and that is, that is a recipe for not succeeding at anything in life. Um, You have to create some kind of grounds for people to have an exchange um, and and some kind of interplay and come closer to believing the same thing. Otherwise, you're not really working together at the right. end of everything. Now, those are excellent points. I think, um, again, just, just trying to create um, that, that ability to have dialogue. And, and I also know a lot of coaches I've talked to, they're like, I've got 40 people in the water at once. You know, it's like right. I've got an, I've got it two hours. So like that's less than like, you know, two minutes of quality time with each kid. So right. you want me to go through 10 minutes of conversation is like, I, I think what you need is that just every day that that establishment of open uh, and honest dialogue and things. And, and for me as a college coach, especially at, at division three level was I, I knew that basically I'm going to have to work with what I have, you know. And so if, if we have kids coming in. And they can't do something that they, they need to communicate with me. And that, that ends up saving more time. You know, again, not, not the two minutes of quality time each day for one person, but them coming in understanding that if they can come up and tell me right away what they need, that's going to save us at least two years, you know, yeah. instead of like, well, this season didn't work. You know, this, this taper didn't work. So the next year we'll do a different taper. And it's like, oh, it's not really the taper. It's the work. And so year three now, okay, well, we'll do different work. So it's like that's three years gone and you're still just grasping at straws versus day one. I remember uh, one of the more talented kids I had coming in, it was like, um, you know, she had a lot of division one opportunities, but she knew that she wasn't going to get that conversation. It was going to be like, listen, you got to fit in with what you do here and, you know, adapt or die kind of thing. And so she was smart enough to figure that out. And so she came in and for her, like, I, I, you know, I see sometimes those people hold on to their ideas of training. We have to do ESRPT. We have to do work works. We have to do whatever was. And for this is like, if I want a talented kid, it's going to be like whatever works. And so we, you know, I'd never done reverse periodization where we worked speed to begin with. We did that with her and it, it was actually ended up being successful. But the only reason I knew to do that, and I never would have even attempted that is if she didn't come in day one and tell me about that. So again, it, I think it's, um, the idea of like you do something well, you do everything well. You know, if, if you have communication about even even the, whatever pronoun they want to be called, it, it, again, that one step in the right direction of then it's okay to also talk about training, you know, and then it's also to right. talk about tapering. It's also talk, good about all the other things that go with their life and everything that goes into their swimming. And, and that's the more I kind of read about like, you know, neurobiology and, and exercise physiology and sports psychology is it's all one. It's all one thing. You know, stress is, is basically just a basic biological reaction to something. And that stressor could actually be physical. It could be something you're terrified of. It could be whatever you're terrified of in your head. It's all the same. And so the same thing here, if, if you're creating a stressful environment, even unwittingly, that's putting even more burden on, on your athletes that, that you don't need and that you need to, uh, again, it, it's going to affect their training in some way. And so you're going to be moving the variables that you, you know you can control, rest work, this, 
this. And the one variable you really need to do maybe just is the culture. Right. I mean, how many of us, I, this is a question I thought of as I was listening to you talk. How many people do you know who are like, say in one outside one you know corner of their mouth, they go, you know, nobody can take honest feedback anymore. And mm-hmm. then they completely emotionally like crumble when they get honest feedback <laughs> yeah. from other people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're like, I, I just think for, for all of us, it's worth like looking at the things that are bothering you and then realizing the only person that you can truly influence is yourself. Like you, you, the biggest difference you can make. So like if you're a coach, my, my advice, if you're a coach and you're looking around your team and you go, nobody, um, nobody can take honest feedback anymore. Start showing people how to take honest feedback. Like right. start seeking out opportunities for people to give you honest feedback, for people to see you getting honest feedback and to see you handling it in a healthy, emotional way. In, in that <laughs> same, same vein, it's um, what I've noticed too is, is people would believe in what I'm saying is being right a lot more times when I admitted to being wrong. We're like, geez, you're absolutely right. right. I was, I was off on that and, and I'm sorry. And let's, let's do this differently. I think it, it increases the amount of faith they have in you as a leader uh, because they understand that if, if the boat's going off course, you're going to correct the ship as early as possible, not after it's already in the rock. Yeah. And you're honest, right? You're right. honest. And I, I, you know, it, uh, most people I think end up under assuming how many lies they get away with telling, you know, just yeah. because people don't go immediately like, Hey, that was, that was a lie, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, which is this, the same thing you said earlier about like the idea of chronically offensive. Again, right. it, it's the foundation of just the one kind of lie that you keep on repeating. You don't even realize that, you know, boy, and Allison's got everything that you say is under, you know, basically kind of suspicious. Now, if you, if you like when I'd recruit some kids, I, you know, you'd look at their tweets, like, Whoa, this is a racist tweet. Now, everything that you're just kind of like, everything is a little bit tainted now. Cause like, well, they said this once. So it's the same thing here. Like if you say something outward and people just kind of let it slide, but they're all of them are kind of going, Whoa, I don't think that's right. Now everything is going to be like, even things that are like, you know, right. It's like, ah, oh, he was wrong this one time and he didn't correct himself, you know? And, and yeah. so I think you, you kind of built, you have that foundation where it's, it's not as solid as you think. And then when you really have these, uh, the tough decisions to make, the end of the season kind of decisions to make uh, you, you don't, you think you've got a stronger foundation than you do. And I think that's when you get, um, you know, a lot of unhappiness or at the end of the season, there, there's people will, will start to come back at you and you're like, where is this coming from? Everything was great all year long. It's like, actually it wasn't, you just weren't able to read right. the room. Right. I mean, one of the things I do actually, uh, and I've done, uh, I just did when I was in Denmark a few weeks ago um, is I realized that, you know, like, I don't know if you've ever been in a team environment where you all of a sudden decided, like, okay, actually, we're going to have a team meeting today, and we're going to really let people air it out. You know, like, I just want to find out what's going on, right? And you open that up, and then two hours later, you're like, um, are we going to ever be able to close this back up? Because people yeah. got rolling, and then yeah. there's, like, a, somebody in the corner room and goes, hey, and another thing. You know, there's no soap in the shower when every time after practice I go to take a shower, they don't replace the soap in the soap. And you're like, you're thinking like, oh, my gosh, we're really going down a rabbit hole here. And like, what did I do? Like, was this productive in any shape or form? I have been thinking about that a lot. And I think, you know, if you can actually like that intent where you go like, hey, you, you maybe even you're listening to this and you go, OK, like I want to get people telling me like stuff if you can stay in that space where you go there's a lot of opportunity in um people saying what's bothering them i i I went to this team in denmark and i just like i was like guys what sucks right now just give me everything you got you know and i just i spent i said we're gonna we're gonna have we're gonna set a time limit on it like we're only gonna have a certain amount of time but like within that time you just like let loose about everything, everything that's bothering you, everything you think's not good, everything, you know, that is 
is you just think is wrong with your situation here because the opportunity in all of those is the things that bother people, the things that people um, think are, are wrong. Those are triggered by what they actually value. So on the mirror side of every single one of those things is something really positive for your team. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and if you can, if you can show people that like, Hey, um, the reason if I go back to my example, the reason why you're really bothered by, you know, the lack of soap dispensers is you think it's really important that, you know, people, um, take pride in their job and, you know, make sure it gets done every day. Then that's going to be like, how, how can you actually step into that and value that on our team rather than being somebody who goes around, you know, saying like, and you're wrong and you're wrong and you're wrong and you're wrong. You know, how can you be the leader on this team that goes, all right, I have an idea of how we're going to do this right. And and here's how we'll actually apply it. So there's an opportunity in all those things. There's a, there's an opportunity also for you to learn. <laughs> there's mm-hmm. an opportunity for you to grow and improve. I think if you can bring the attitude in and as a leader that goes like, hey, man, it's great when people come to me with stuff because I learn from those experiences and I keep getting better as a coach. And instead of, you know, leaning into that ego piece where you go like, oh, man, like I, I screwed up again. You know, that 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 doesn't help, you know, if as a coach, like, you know, that that attitude doesn't help the people you coach to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you have a choice, you have an opportunity to also go a different direction and have a different approach to um, people people giving you feedback. I think also uh, kind of the example of the soap dispenser is a good one in that um, it's one of those things where I, whenever, whenever people start with that, I always knew that that wasn't the issue the, right. that there's, it's like at least six layers deeper than, than the soap dispenser. <laughs> but again, when, just, when you're that's tra- like a test balloon. They're like, let's see exactly. if anybody wants go. to do something about the, the well, soap th- dispenser. they'll throw that out there just cause it's like, again, that it's, I, I think it's one of those things like, like if you hurt your, like I hurt my back. And it's like reaching for a pen. It's like, oh my, everything is just painful after that point. The same thing is like when you have that base pain of something, whatever it is that's actually troubling that athlete to say the soap dispenser, right. everything yeah. is troubling them. Everything around right. them is, is just awful. And then it, it like, then they start taking it out on other athletes. Like they don't like their attitude. It's like, well, and then you're like, well, it's your attitude. That's the problem. It's like, but we've <laughs> never, again, all we do is we create that, that circular loop around the problem and you're going to end up fixing like, every little crack in the tile, soap dispenser, things like that, when they're actually unhappy with their role on the team or they're, they're, you know, they didn't get a relay spot, but they're not going to say that because that's the one thing. If you say like, I'm not happy I'm on the B relay because they know that saying that one of those four people shouldn't be on there and I don't want to call them out. I don't want to be the bad teammate. I don't want to do this. So now everything else is kind of irritating them. And so I think sometimes we get those kids with that personality and too many times, again, when you have that, like you said, that ego, the first instinct is like, I've got to exert my authority. We're going to crack down on this behavior. We're going to crack down on negativity, you know, with more negativity, you know, we are going to like address the bad morale by more beatings versus right. again, like right. let's, the beatings let's will continue a- until the morale improves. I think exactly the, the quote. <laughs> right on. And so the same thing here is like, and so what, what do you do? Like, again, when you hear that, cause initially I think, and I know I've done this in the past, like my first year of coaching when someone would say, well, the soap dispenser, you're like, you entitled little, you know, just yeah. right away. It's like, yeah. this is ridiculous. Oh but how do you get you're complaining about that? Yeah. Like- right. And, and so it helped a lot when all of a sudden I started going, okay, is this really the issue or is there, there's something deeper? So how do you kind of, again, you, you, let's say you, you pulled the, uh, pulled the cork out of that bottle of negativity and all of a sudden there's a big team, like again, spiral or cyclone of, of death and despair. How do you like, you know, tie that up at the end and go, let's, let's like, let's stop and address this. Or how do you actually get to the real things, especially when the real things might be, again, if it's your relay spot, you're saying like, Chloe should not be on the relay. I should be on the relay, you know, without doing that, you know, how, how do you get it so that they come to you with what's, what's the real thing here now that again, you've already started this death spiral of a meeting. Yeah, I mean, I think make people like push 
push people. I said make people, you know. Yeah, there you go. Sometimes Good just job. using the language that I don't want to. I say, I say, try to funnel that stuff into people actually getting to what it is they value beneath it. Okay. And I think if you, if you force people to walk through all the logical pieces of it, yeah, you might have some people on the other end who goes, who have created very complex logic around solving the emotional problem that they have, mm-hmm. but more, more, I think more often than not, you are going to get to the bottom of like somebody who goes, yeah, like I'm pissed. I want to be on that relay. And then mm-hmm. that's your opportunity to be like, I love that about you. I want people yeah. on my team that want to be on the relay. And I want people who are going to come in here exactly. and go, damn it, I should be on the relay. Right. And let right. that passion shine because, you know, you talked about stress earlier. To me, the revelation I've had this spring about stress is stress is. Stress is a high interest, like it's a, mm-hmm. it's a collateral you offer for denying how you're feeling. Right. So, right. you know, like what's really, it's not stressful to think that you belong on the relay, to be mad that you're not on the relay and come in and go like, I belong on the relay. Hear me roar. That's yeah. not stressful. You know what is stressful? Thinking you belong in the relay, being angry about being on the relay and going, I, I shouldn't say anything. Yeah. Like, I, let me just, let me just keep that. You know, like you want to have a team where people can just release that. And it doesn't mean that you have to go, oh, you know, like you made a big show and you were mad. Now I'm changing my relay. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to actually take action. But what you want to have is a space where people can be open and honest about how they're feeling. Do you think and, like if um, so this is the question that's going to be predicated on, on the first answer. Like, the, so like, again, I, I tried to never have those meetings because I've had those where all of a sudden you're like, let's get to what's going on here. Let's get to some honesty. So do you think those, those meetings are, are, are helpful? Second thing is if you do think they're helpful, is it better to go like, we're going to talk about this area only, or do you, we are going to have a time limit on this. And then at the end do a summary, like, you know, does everyone feel soap dispensers are a thing that I really go to the athletic director to address right now? Or, or is this something like in, if we just took the top three here, we're three. So what would be a way if, if you do think that the meetings is helpful, if you don't, then let me know why, but if you do think those meetings are helpful, then how would you make them actually help actually productive and helpful? You know, it's one thing to vent. It's yeah. another thing to actually get some productive uh, value out of that time spent out of the pool. Well, I think they're helpful, but again, I've spent a lot of time thinking about how to land that plane. And I think a lot of people who have that meeting, they're thinking about taking off the plane, but they don't know how they're going to land it. So they're like, you're asking the right, you're asking the right question. And I guess I always say, um, I think it's important, you know, that you don't give that you, that you have some structure around it. So you don't have unlimited amount of time for people to, because when, when you, you're like, You've, you've seen it when you get people rolling yeah, sometimes yeah. that momentum, like, you know, unless you decided ahead of time, like I will literally set a time limit go the last time I did it, I was like, we have an hour and then pizza's coming. And like when the pizza arrives, we're done with this section. Like we're not, we're not coming back to this. All right. So, so step one is, is time limit. <laughs> step, step one is I think have some structure around it because you cannot just allow it to be like, unlimited um, time and space and then let people know from the very beginning some idea of where this is headed which is we're not having a meeting that is you know for you to air your grievances and then I'm going to solve them I'm probably a lot of the stuff here I if I'm being honest I may not be able to help you with it all and I like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry about that um, right ahead of time but what I might be able to do by the end of this is to help you think about how you might make this better. And um, I think if you can, you can frame it in that way and you, you, you frame it not as like bring all your problems to me and I will, you know, again, the, right. the, 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 the space of like, I am the font of all knowledge and I will just like, you know, wave my magic wand and then those things will change instead of go like, Hey, 
I may not be aware of some of this stuff that's going on and we may not have had, you know, the whole group in here thinking about this. And, and there, there could be people in this who actually understand like how we can move forward. Right. And so you want to have an idea um, because, because by nature, this like, <laughs> I, I can't help but think of, um, uh, Seinfeld now and Festivus, you know, we begin with the airing of grievances. Right. And, right. <laughs> um, but, you know, if you stay in the grievance space is all backwards looking, but like really what you want is for people to be forward looking and you want them to see them as an, an opportunity to go. I am upset about this because of valuing something. And here is how I feel like that I have, you want to get them to a space where like, I feel like I have a strategy to like better for this team mm -hmm. to better step into that value in right. the future. And I, I think one of the things to summarize a little bit of, of why this is so important, because I think a lot of times people are like, I don't have time for this. You know, we, we have X amount of time for dryland, X amount of time in the water and X amount of time for this. Like I said before, is like, if you don't give up one hour somewhere along the line, you're basically giving up, you're possibly giving up a whole season for like three, four five kids. And so that right. you need to address that. But also on top of that, what I've seen is that you always get a couple hubs where people will go with their problems. Like uh, the women on the team that I had used to call like a team mom. Oh, this is the team mom, some senior something like that. And they would all go with their, their problems there. And the problem was, that one hub, whether it's the team mom or, or on the guy's side, whatever, the, the, the one person they kind of go to with their problems or like they viewed like one of the guys on the team, some uncle kind of thing, they go and it became, here's my baggage. And they drop the baggage off at the door. And then the right. next swimmer would come by and drop the baggage off at the door. And now I have like two or three seniors that are getting stressed out because again, they're getting all this baggage. They're like, they don't know what to do with it. They're like, oh, I, I'm getting everyone else's problems here. And so all that kind of negative emotion. You know, I, I always looked at it as like as weights, you know, you keep on dropping the weight on them and they've got nowhere to go with that. You know, I read all the time about like, you know, psychologists having the most, you know, one of the higher suicide rates because they get everyone's problems and they have nowhere to go with those problems and they get all this negative energy into their body. I think sometimes you get that on your team too, where someone who's like, who's emotionally caring and means well, they, they take on a role that they never, ever thought they were going to do. You know, they, they just keep getting more and more and more. They're like, I'll listen to this one. And then oh, I can't turn this person away. I'll listen to another. I'll listen to another. And so there needs to be a functional way um, for, the, for problems, legitimate problems to be addressed. It's one thing to vent, but it's when it's like every day, every day. Um, you know, I got to the point with uh, on one of my teams, this one woman, I, I just gave her Thursdays off. I'm like, just, just get away from the team, go on the treadmill for a while until we can kind of get this figured out. And it worked great. She had her best season ever by actually reducing her training load and just getting a little moment to like kind of have her own time because she was one of those like, you know, organic chem majors whose her, you know, her workload was through the roof. And then also she's getting a lot as a team captain and she's getting a lot of emotional things on this. End. And there's just so much going on that we're like, you know, no iPhone, nothing, just unplug and, and just go get on a treadmill for a little while and, and just have a little quiet. See, and I, I've thought about this as well. Because in, in my life, like even in my family life, in, in my professional life, because of the position I've staked out, like I think a healthy amount of people bring me their problems. I mean, they, they come to me, you know, and they, they, try, they drop stuff off. And I guess, you know, again, if we think about stress, what stresses me out is the thought that I need to do something. Like mm -hmm. when, when people bring their stuff to me. But you know what really actually all I need to do is just acknowledge them. Like I, I would say 99% of the work is just acknowledging people. I, I, with my own children all the time, I, 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 you know, I have moments where I catch myself because, you know, like as kids are young kids, they are so much more in tune with their emotions than most yeah. adults. Like they just feel something and they express it. Right. Like, yeah. Right. Especially I've got a five-year-old like that is prime time for mm -hmm. just like I feel and I, I express. And the great part about that is, and the part where I think we get in trouble, even as a digression of, of as parents. And I know I get in trouble is I go, 
oh my God, my kid is upset. I need to do something. Right. I need to do something about it. When really all I, all I should do is just go like, Hey, I know you're really upset right now. Like I, I have, I have used that so many times with my own kids where, you know, like, Oh, I, I forgot this thing. We have to go back and get it. And I go, I'm, I know you're so upset right now. I know you're mm-hmm. so like, and <laughs> I, I might have to repeat it 10, 15, 20 right. times, but just acknowledging how they're feeling at the other yeah. end, like they recover out of what it is. And so many times I think when you go and try to like do something, what you're signaling to them is like, Hey, I know that you're in an emotionally heightened state right now. And like, that's got you really activated. And if you bring it to me, I will also ramp up emotionally and then get activated, like to do something because I'm so uncomfortable with you bringing that to me versus like, I'm comfortable with you bringing that to me. Um, I acknowledge like, and I'm just here. I'm listening to what you're saying. Message received. Like, you, yeah. did you want me to know like you're pissed off right now? I got it. And I, I think a lot of times co- coaches pissed. are always like, we, we want to be able to fix it again. We're thinking yeah. time. Save time. I'll just fix it. You know, I'll cut your steak for you. We'll get it done. Right. Two minutes later, it's done. Uh, and so by fixing problems, it's not solving problems. It's just, it's, it's a temporary bandaid. And as a coach is like, I knew the answer. It's, it's kind of like, it feels good to your own ego that I knew the answer. I could fix that. And I, right. I saw that a lot with, um, the kids is that you, you create that learned helplessness. Kids, I mean, like, you know, the swimmers or athletes I was dealing with the idea that they're sending you texts all the time. I can't get the schedule right. And like, I could fix it, but I'm like, you know, um, Tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll you know come by the office some point and we'll talk about it. And in, invariably, they'd be able to fix it themselves five ten minutes later. You know, they're they're doing an emotional text, an emotional outburst right. thing. And the second thing, as you as you're saying that idea of the emotional and not, boy, I'm just as mad as you are about this. Is right. I've seen so many times where like you know kids will get into real problems and they won't go to their parents with it because like I've seen my dad get really mad at this this this. How can I go with this? Right. And, and instead of the idea of like, again, take a deep breath, take that pause, listen to what they have to say, acknowledge that what they have to say is like, wow, this is, this is something that we need to, we need to sit down and think about. It, and I'm sorry you're going through it or, or whatever uh, yeah. appropriate oh, way. That's really frustrating, man. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. I'd so be kind frustrated of, too. Like, yeah, classically mirroring with what, exactly what they're saying. Right. It, it is. It's like right. that is very frustrating. And, and nodding and listening and letting them kind of go through it. And then th- again, that emotion starts to wear down a little bit and now they can solve their own problem versus I'm just going to keep on going over here to fix it. Because again, it, we keep on talking about, you know, swimming becoming like a stair step to the rest of their life. You know, they learn X, Y, and Z through swimming. They're going to be, you know, so much more resilient in life. They can work through any kind of problems. Like, well, they can work through problems if they've had problems in the past that they've worked through ones that again, yeah. aren't as big of a deal as like, you know, having a death in the family or a job or something like that. If, if the problem is their goggles keep going undone, how do they work through that? And again, it seems like a silly analogy, but the idea again is, is like, you know, going all the way back to the start of the pod, the idea that the DVD from the seventies doesn't play now there. If there's stereotypes along the way, I'll send those, those little yeah. minor things get corrected out. Same thing here. If, if they learn how to fix the small problems, Eventually, they're able to fix the medium-sized problems. They're able to fix the small, the big problems. But they're never able to do that if you're always the dominant, I know everything, trust me. And again, it saves time in, in the short term. But over the course of the season or the course of a career, uh, it, it's just going to either create learned helplessness or it's going to compound the problem to the point where you get that spiraling of the soap dispenser is broken, this is broken, this is broken. And there's 84 different problems now when it actually was just one. Right. You, you, I mean, at the end of it, I mean, the, 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 the pull quote here is almost like, you know, your job is not as a swim coach to, um, get people to swim fast. It's to teach them how to get better. there. You go. Yeah. Like <laughs> you, you're, you're not there to teach them how to swim fast. Yeah. You're there to teach them how to improve, how to like work on themselves how to um, to actually build up their sense of competence in various situations. And yeah, like when you go like, ah, oh, well, I'm losing an hour 
by spending some time working. No, you're not. I mean, what you're doing is investing an hour so that you have more time in the future. But like, (laughs) you know, it's, um, it's, it's hard because if you're in the same, if you're in the same sort of panicked emotional space, then you're always also trying to make a short-term decision. Oh, we, we need this two hours today. We need to swim. People aren't in shape enough. And so it won't even matter if we have this meeting, if, you know, like nobody does, you know, X, Y, and Z today in the, in the pool. And, um, I might be a bit biased, but I, I think that it's, it's definitely that, that the investment in that, um, the people that, that invest in that and, and that at see it as a long-term and even find a way to, in the context of, yeah, we're still going to get in and swim today, but like mm-hmm. they've, they've been so thoughtful about their interactions with the people that they're coaching, that they can get some of that, you know, like in the two, three minutes that they might actually talk to somebody in, mm-hmm. in practice, you know, like that, that the person can be direct to them and communicate to them what's going on. They can come back with a response that like, you know, helps somebody move forward. Right. Um, and, and everybody can get on with their lives. Um, well, I think this has been really productive. Um, I feel like we went on quite a journey from the original question, but that's how it always goes um, in these things. Uh, appreciate everybody for, for listening. Magic5.com slash swim brief. Get yourself some goggles. I, um, I, uh, I was wearing mine today, and I just want to say RIP my Faroe Islands swim cap from 2012. It finally ripped. Um, and uh, so I had that, uh, I had that sensation of, uh, you know, uh, have, having swum for weeks with a cap on my head and, you know, aligning the goggle strap underneath. And um, then I had to regroup. No cap. Um, I didn't bring a backup is the point of the story. And it's going to sell so, a lot so, of goggles. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, so is, is the point I want to create the worst plug ever for a goggle? or Because <laughs> I've had nothing but success with my Magic Fire. I, I don't blame the, the goggles on my ripping cap. I, I, they, they, right. the, again, I don't know where you're going with this, but they're good goggles. Sure. They should put yeah. in uh, Christie's and, uh, yeah, get a discount. It's a good deal. Yeah. There you go. Uh, swim brief. The swim brief. you, you got to put in the swim brief to get the discount. All um, right. Did it's, I say Christie, Coach? I don't know. I oh, stopped listening knows? a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> Christy underscore coach on Instagram, CD swim coach on Facebook, the YouTube channel. Whenever Joel and I feel we have a stimulating visual presentation for you to enjoy. Um, uh, until next week. Thanks for, thanks for listening. And thank you for, for being here, Joel. All right. Thanks for having me and loving animals. Yeah, this cat's been on my leg the whole hour. So, yeah. All right, good.